Good afternoon, everybody. And thank you for joining your friendly neighborhood nerd, Mr. William Moore. And this is Chill Time as Well Time. For this episode, we're going to talk about something that maybe a lot of guys are actually insecure to get on. But it, I, it, I know it has been a hot topic. Um, or at least been a topic that's been out there for discussion for a while. And that is toxic, toxic masculinity. Um, so yeah, I am going to talk about this construct and how it rules the everyday lives of some of us out here and how we need to change that. But first, as we usually do, you guys know what it is, is graduate decisions. Highlight the stupidity of somebody, um, so that we can all learn from it and never let it happen again. So with this, uh, the subject of this week's graduate decisions um, I'm gonna. I'm actually a little bit late on it. This happened like a week or so ago, but I'm gonna highlight Mr. Jake Tapper. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jake Tapper is a, a media personality, um, news pundit, and I'm gonna highlight him for his criticism of Barack Obama. For those of you who don't know, uh, a couple weeks ago, Barack and Michelle Obama were actually cited or vi- recorded at a uh, Jay-Z and Kanye concert, um, just enjoying themselves, living their best life. Um, after eight years of service to the country, you know, they owe it to themselves. They don't owe anybody anything else, but they were out having fun, enjoying the concert, enjoying a nice night out, uh, being the couple that they are, loving each other and, and going about their life. Well, Mr. Jake Tapper was quoted as saying that, you know, he 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 felt that it was wrong for Barack and Michelle Obama to be out enjoying themselves like that, seeing as how they left the Democratic Party in shambles, kind of alluding to this is the reason why we're in the predicament that we are politically right now. Uh, Well, I'd like to say that that is one of the dumbest comments I have heard. Um, and criticism that I've heard when it comes to former president Barack Obama. And this is the reason why. If you're reasoning for that, and, and, and let me be upfront too and let you know, like, yes, I'm going to defend him vehemently on this, but it's not like I've always been uh, somebody who defends him like hands down for no reason. Um, because I've also been very, I've also been critical of uh Barack Obama in the past when I feel it's due. Um uh, but at this point in time I don't feel like it's due at all. Um and and I feel that uh Jake Tapper is coming out of left field with his criticism as well as some other people because this isn't the first person that I've heard make this sort of comment. So I'd like to 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 let Mr. Tapper and anybody else who had you know express the same sentiments about uh, former President Obama uh, this way. Barack Obama didn't leave the Democratic Party in shambles. The Democratic Party left itself in shambles. Okay? The Democratic Party left itself in shambles with the terrible way in which they handled the primaries a few years ago um, between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Whether they were hacked or not, the way all of that was handled was a was an utter utter mess. The Democratic Party left itself in shambles by never really having a platform to stand on, by basically coming to people of color year in and year out, um, making all the promises to them that they can, um, making all these concessions to people of color, 
you know, making it seem like we are a priority. And then after they're elected to their seats, not really doing anything for people of color and, 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 and us having to watch ourselves. You guys have heard me say this plenty of times before, but having to watch ourselves go from a priority when it's time to get the votes to not a priority at all once they're in office. Okay, that is what contributed to leaving a Democratic Party in shambles. The message that the Democratic Party has had with with people of color is we need you when it's time to vote. We don't need you when it's not time to vote. And when it's come to to their to, you know, to our white counterparts, you know, it's they've never stood firm on anything. When it comes to jobs, anything like that. So they basically made themselves ripe for the picking when it come to when it came to um, the Tea Party and 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 the far right wing right wing of the Republican Party um, to come through and snatch up all these extra votes. You know, I think their message is garbage, but at least the Republicans come with a clear message. You know, whether it be that they feed on hate, xenophobia, homophobia, it's a clear message to their base that their base can understand and that they follow through with. It's a message of greed that their base understands, despite the fact that it is counter, that it doesn't help them out, but they follow through with it. The Democratic Party hasn't done any of that. The the only clear message that the Democratic Party has had pretty much is vote for us because we're better than them. Black folks vote for us because we're not as racist as the Republican Party. White folks vote for us just because we're better than Republicans. That's not a real clear, solid platform at all. And when you run and when you run elections time and time again with unclear platforms and the the few few issues that you actually do um, say that you're going to stand up for, when you waffle on those and don't show a spine, don't show a backbone. That don't show a backbone. That's how you lose votes. That's how you lose followers. So no, Mr. Tapper, no, anybody else who has anything else to say about Barack Obama leaving the Democratic Party in shambles, he did not do so. The Democratic Party left itself in shambles. And let's remember, let's not play like it's not a ra- there's not a, ra- a, a, a racist or a race uh, component to this as well. Because despite the fact that Hillary Hillary Clinton may have won the popular vote, remember, Donald Trump still did win over every demographic of white person. Every single demographic of white person, he won that. So for any of you who's still in denial that there's a racist component to it or a race, you know, a racial component to the, you know, to the last presidential election, facts are facts. And those speak for themselves. There's, there's, there's really no other way. Um, there's no other way around that. Also, remember how after Obama won his second election, um, nobody really showed up in the primaries to help make sure that Democrats could keep any type of seat. Uh, you know, ho- ho- really hold as many seats as they possibly could in the House. Republicans took seat after seat after seat. In the primary, you know, uh, in the um, midterms immediately after that pre- that last presidential election. And it's because the Democratic message was not ringing true and not making enough of an impact um, with its base. 
So that's all I have to really say about that. You know, I want to get back to my original, my main topic of today, which I think is a pretty important topic. But once again, I, you know, you got to give credits where it's due. And I, I would never throw the failures of an entire party on, on Barack Obama because despite my criticisms of him, overall, I did think he did a pretty good job facing the opposition that he did with the lack of support and lack of help. Um, from a lot of American citizens, citizens, to be honest with you, and from the the lackluster messages that the party delivered overall to even try to, uh, you know, retain seats um, and win over other seats uh, in the House and, 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 and during the midterms. So on the topic of toxic, toxic mas- masculinity, golly, I'm over here stuttering left and right. I hope you guys will uh, can understand me. I seem to be really uh, tripping up over myself today, but I wanted to, you know, and and little one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this is because uh, for some reason, watching the debacle that Terrell Owens was going through um, in this past NFL Hall of Fame induction kind of made me think about toxic toxic masculinity, and the reason why is because. A lot of the reasons that a lot of the sports writers gave for not wanting to vote Terrell Owens in uh, when he was initially eligible had, you know, had to do with his attitude and his behavior, so on and so forth. Um, and I think that's real ironic because if you think about the way that he behaved on the football field, um, to be honest, it's 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 uh, it's stereotypical, uh, you know, toxic masculinity. It is essentially what we groom a lot of uh, young boys and young males to grow up and behave like. I don't care what you say, but that's just the facts. And after I finish, you know, kind of laying it all out, maybe you'll understand more of what I, you know, more of where I'm coming from. Um, Me personally, I like to think of toxic masculinity as a role or set of standards that others or society can place upon men. um, Even though individuals who place those standards upon men, don't have any standards for themselves or refuse to even live up to them. Um, it's in moments like these when we subscribe to toxic masculinity or living up to the standards of others that we stop living for ourselves and are living the life of someone else for someone else, essentially. Um, if you think about it, uh, think about that, you know, and really I want everybody to think about that for a second. Um, any time that you are living up to what somebody, someone else's defined role for you, are you really living your own life? I like to think that you aren't. And to me personally, I feel like that's, I've, you know, I've said this plenty of times, living by somebody else's standards. You should, you know, first and foremost, you should always have high standards for yourself. All right. You should always want to be the best that you can be. But trying to live up to somebody else's standards you're not really living for yourself. You're living for somebody else. Um, living up to somebody else's standards is living the life that somebody, in my opinion, is living this life that somebody else wants, but does lacks the courage to live for themselves. So what they do to feel more comfortable is they place these standards on other people. And that to me is akin to a slow death. That is a huge, that's, I mean, I would go as far as to say that's a huge fear of mine. Something that I would never, never, ever Um, want to experience, you know, to see yourself day by day, slowly, like drifting away from who you are as a person, who you know yourself to be um, mentally and emotionally. Um, 
and drift away until you are a, a generic copy or clone of somebody else. Think about how scary and miserable that sounds. You know, it's, um, and then I think as a result too, you know, you eventually realize in your last days how unhappy you are because you never really lived your life for yourself and you're, and you're, and you're left to pay that mental and emotional price, um, which a lot of times can manifest itself into just bitterness. And when, and, and it's during that time of reckoning I think that you, you know, you really have to ask yourself, who should you be upset or bitter with? Should you be upset or bitter with the person who placed those standards up on, up upon you that you try to live? Or should you be upset or bitter with yourself? Because you allowed yourself to be controlled and brainwashed to live, uh, to live by that standard. Now, I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of flip that and then I'm going to show you how I feel like that pertains to the Terrell Owens situation. So a reason that many sports writers did not want to vote him in initially is because they said he was a horrible teammate. He was a showboat. Um, he, you know, made teams angry, made, you know, made teammates angry, made teams, made teammates upset, um, tore apart locker rooms. But let's look at what NFL, the, the NFL is about and some of the characteristics of being a, a, a macho man or uh, being a great athlete about, is about, all right? Um, so we're, you know, little boys, especially if we're athletes, we're always raised to be tough, be aggressive, especially when it comes to football, because football itself is, is a game of domination. You are trying to mentally and physically, physically dominate and destroy your opponent to win a game. I don't think anybody can deny the fact that Terrell Owens did that. Um, his 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 statistics scream first ballot Hall of Famer. And the criteria for making it into the Hall of Fame is just that. It's about statistics. There's no clause in there. There's no rules in there to talk about how great of a teammate you are, um, what type of person you are in, you know, in the, in the locker room and so on and so forth. It's about stats, and you get those stats by physically dominating your opponent. That's what we're taught as young football players. Now, people, now these same sports writers complain about how he was a showboat uh, and how he displayed horrible sportsmanship. I'm going to show you as well how that is um, how that came back to bite T.O. on his butt. And it's also a form of toxic. It, if you look at it, it's, it's, it's a form of toxic masculinity because football itself, like as, I, as, as I'm going to reiterate, is it's all about um, an over over exaggerated amount of perceived masculinity used to sport, used to score points. All right. So the way I look at it, showboating, celebrating, taunting other players after you've scored or beat them at their game, that's asserting your dominance. That's asserting your dominance. You see the same type of behavior out of out of pack animals. Lion, you know, with, with 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 male lions in a pride, with two male gorillas. 
with wolves. One taunts and is aggressive and shows how physically he dominant he is towards the other to assert his dominance and assert the fact that he runs the show. Do you guys kind of see where I'm getting at here? Maybe I'm not articulating it well enough. But the point that I'm trying to make is, you got to think, it's pretty much essentially this guy's whole athletic career. He's been taught to, uh, to assert dominance, to rule over his opponent. And he did that. But just because he didn't do it in the fashion that some of the sports writers didn't like him to do it in, they wanted to rob him of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And this is, and that's also where Terrell Owens fell into the trap. He allowed others to define how he behaved um, as a man and as a football player. He took that to the next level. And then he saw that in the end, you still can't make these people happy. I was once told that trying to make sure that everybody's happy is a good way to make sure no one is happy. And that's ex- I feel like that's exactly that's the type of, the, the exact type of example um, we had with that. Hall of Fame, you know, the sports writers and some other, you know, fellow Hall of Famers weren't happy. He wasn't happy with the way he was treated and all because he fell into this trap. Now, let's look at the topic of toxic masculinity on much much more of a broad view, not related to sports. All right. Um, And I can say that as a straight male, um, I believe that we, you know, straight males, we, 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 we come very late to the game in recognizing and calling out toxic masculinity um, for how much damage it, it, you know, it does, um, to everyone, including ourselves and, um, how pointless it is. All right. And one of the reasons that I believe that we're so late to the game when it comes to not only recognizing it and acknowledging it is because for the reason that I kind of alluded to a little bit before, you know, when I was talking about sports, but just in general for, for, for males, it's a part of our indoctrination as, as men, like since birth, it's a part of our conditioning all the way from, you know, if you fall, don't cry, uh, to all sorts of other traits that we, we, and unwittingly taken that poison, you know, since birth, some of the things that encompass, I think encompass toxic masculinity are anything from what we wear and how we wear it, how we talk, what our interests are, what we eat, how we view other people, how we view ourselves. If everything doesn't fit in this perfect box of what society's role of masculinity is, um, then it's viewed as negative. And that's when I think there, there there's a huge issue. Because once again, we're putting labels, we're putting restrictions on other people, not really, not truly letting them be themselves. And as I said before, athletes like, you know, Terrell Owens pay the ultimate price and they learn that this is a double-edged sword. Toxic masculinity is also the same thing that makes athletes, you know, play through pain and injuries, even though they know that they shouldn't at times. 
and they destroy their bodies because if they don't, they're viewed as weak or they're viewed as cowards or viewed as not the ultimate player uh, or not the ultimate teammate or ultimate athlete um, and that they're not worthy of the sport. But at the same time, when they're at the end of at the end of it all, when their bodies all beat up and broken, no one cares for them. And then they're wondering how they got there. Or they're physically broken from the game, but also mentally and emotionally broken because the same people that they sacrifice themselves for aren't there to help them in their in their biggest time of need. I mean, that's something that I myself had to come to, you know, had to realize and reckon with. But, you know, as I said, as a straight male, we're late in recognizing it. You know, I think um, women and gay males recognize it before we do because they're the most affected by it. Um, They're the ones that we pretty much brutalize and bludgeon with it. I'm going to give you another example. This is of, of... toxic masculinity and how it can rear its ugly head in a lot of ways it doesn't make any sense at all so i'm gonna reference uh the rapper wiz khalifa and i was uh, i was uh it was brought to my attention a comment that he had made on the breakfast club a morning radio show about how he how he doesn't eat bananas and basically the comment that he made was that a man who eats bananas is basically, he said, a man who eats bananas is suspect. Basically insinuating that a man who will eat a banana uh, could be gay. So somewhat of like a, a you know, a homophobic um, attitude towards banana and bananas, you know, a fruit. And, 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 and you know, he's basically, basically calling into question someone else's manhood. So what's so ironic about this this uh, homophobic idea about men eating bananas is that when I think of when I even think about what stereotypical you know stereotypical masculinity is I actually don't even think of Wiz Khalifa to be honest with you when I when I, the, the times that I've seen him he actually comes across rather dainty to me or has like I feel like uh, you know has like some feminine characteristics or like behaviors I find that to be awfully ironic. Um, that this little bitty skinny old dude will call into question a man who eats bananas when he himself, you know, doesn't fit the definition of, of that to me doesn't fit the overall definition of masculinity. But you see that right there. Even me making that making that comment is an example of toxic toxic masculinity. That's how easy it is to trap yourself uh, in those type of behaviors. By making those type of judgments. Let's, I mean, once again, let's think about the statement he made. To be affected by a piece of fruit, to me, and question another man's masculinity, um, ironically says to me that he's kind of questioning his own masculinity or toughness. And it's a sign that maybe he's nervous about what he may discover about his own sexuality. So I'll elaborate. I'll go into deeper, de- go into it a little bit deeper. Um, I liken it to how um, how some men won't go to a male massage therapist. They don't want a, a, a professional giving them massage. So, so think about this: as guys, we play a sport where when one of us does a great deed, we will willingly smack each other on the ass to say good job. 
But we got a problem with a man whose job is to put his hands on you to make you physically better, to make to, to make you physically well. Because it doesn't seem right or it doesn't feel right. That's like letting your best friend give you, your, your as a guy, letting your friend give you a mouth exam or pull out your tooth. But you won't go to the dentist because you said, but you, because you believe it doesn't seem right. Think about how stupid that sounds. And I think the only reason that some men are insecure about that or have or, or, or have an issue with a male, a male massage therapist or like Wiz Khalifa, a man or whatever, eating a banana is because they're afraid, they're insecure about their own masculinity and sexuality because they keep they keep measuring themselves by this overarching ridiculous idea about what masculinity and being a man is the society is placed upon them so they're afraid that if they engage in something or do something that society has delivered them a message that isn't masculine that all of a sudden they might not be who they think they are and they don't want everybody else to know that they don't want to know it about themselves and they don't want anybody else to know that now bear with me now i hope i'm not being confusing but just you know just follow along listen to what i'm saying think about how that traps you and wraps you up like i said once again you are allowing someone else to control your life you are allowing someone else to to dictate what you eat, what you do, how you feel based on their definition of masculinity. And remember what I said, these are standards. I look at them as standards that someone else places upon you that they can't uphold themselves. Wiz Khalifa is placing a standard of masculinity upon other men that I look at him and consider and, and don't feel like he can even measure up to himself. Fear. It's all fear and insecurity around, you know, insecurity around your, your own, your own sexuality. Think about how miserable it is to live like that. Toxic masculinity. Once again, I'm going to say it again. It's simply another way for another person to use narrative to take ownership over your body. That's exactly what it is. I already outlined in how we do it with it, with how men do it with each other, but I'm going to show you and I'm going to give you an example of how we do it with women as well. Toxic masculinity can also express itself and how we express ourselves sexually. For instance, as men, we're okay sleeping around. We will shake another man's hand, clap, you know, slap him on the back, give him props for sleeping around, sleeping with as many women as he wants to. But if a woman does that, we'll judge him from here until next weekend. We'll call him all type of derogatory names, call him uns you know, unsavory names, don't want to date him, don't want to don't want to bring him home to meet our family, but we'll sleep with him, but we don't want to treat them uh, like women themselves. Basically, fortifying a ridiculous double standard that exists. 
And yes, double standards exist, you know, in all different type of places. They exist in the form of, you know, in the opposite direction with, you know, men and women, you know, all over the place. But right now I'm highlighting this one. The way we express ourselves sexually and how we degrade the other sex for expressing themselves sexually is another way uh, of of that toxic masculinity will ex- express itself and another way that we use it to like i said not only control their men but we that's the way we use it to control women as well i think as a black man speaking in terms of a black man we've experienced that from the very beginning and in the in, in coming to America when we were enslaved. When we first come to came to America and enslaved, we were used as manual labor and tools. We were you we've been used as objects of frustration and oppression by the government, the police system, uh, far right propagandists. We are used as a mean to make money through sports for owners and entertain uh, as, a, as a form of entertainment. Uh, for for you know entertainment agencies, and we're fetish we're fetishized by women of other races. So as black men, we we are well accustomed to people um, using and trying to control our bodies. The crazy thing is, we don't see it that way, and then even when we do begin to see it, we still neglect to see how we use those same behaviors to control, to, to do the same thing, to repeat, to repeat the cycle over and over and over to use it against other men and to use it against women. And we allow all these different entities to control us without even thinking about those very same entities don't even care about us on a deeper level. Well, how's the saying go? Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people will hurt people too. Uh, I think this applies to toxic masculinity as well. We've been conditioned to believe in certain guidelines and traits that uh, should not apply to us we should be able to express ourselves however way we want to as men but we like i said we don't and then we internalize this pain from it we internalize this pain because we know we're not being true to ourselves and then in turn and then in turn we we exert this sort of control and harmful behavior on others so as hurt individuals, as hurt men, we begin to hurt other people. As I said before, in turn for losing ownership of our bodies, we let it manifest itself by trying to take ownership of the bodies out by women, by controlling them, over-sexualizing them. We put down and degrade men that don't fit the stereotypical um, behavior of what a, a, a masculine or a man's man should be. If they don't fit that toxic descriptor of masculinity, we're quick to bash them. We do that a lot with 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 men in the homosexual community.
as a straight guy, I can I can tell you right now, I don't care. I don't care if another dude is gay or not, or a woman is gay or whatever. And in my opinion, you do you, I'm gonna do me. That's how I see it. I'm gonna live my best life. You live your best life. And if we doing that, then we can all live a happy life. That's one of that's one of the models and one of the creeds that I try to live by. And I believe it's also one of those things that try, that helps me uh, break out of that cycle of displaying um, characteristics or or you know toxic behavior or trying to make somebody else fit uh, society's mold of what I, what a man should be. We got to get out of, first of all, we got to stop letting people control us. And we got to get out of trying to control other people. Because it's a domino effect. I think if you, even though I've kind of, you know, been a little bit all over the place on this episode, if you've kind of followed along with all the things that I've been saying, you can see that there's a domino effect there. Because of fear, we allow people to control us. We in turn try to control or we allow a system to control us. The system controls us and we in turn try to control others and nobody winds up being happy. I can remember as you know, is really kind of really starting to to notice something was up and know that I had to like li- do my own thing and live my own life and being comfortable to, with that as early as like 12 years old I just always knew that that something that something wasn't something wasn't right and by something wasn't right me being me living you know in terms of like by somebody else's standards I kind of always was a kid who always tried to do my own thing in my own way Academics, all of that. I always chose my own path. You know, I was a kid that when, a, the, when you know, when there was a fork in the road, instead of going left and right, I took out, you know, the tractor or the machete and tried to cut a, a path right down the middle of the fork. I think that those were the beginning seeds that were being planted for me to break out of uh, living under... Um, This this larger umbrella of, of toxic masculinity. Now, could I articulate that, that that's what I was doing or did I know? Um, could I intellectualize that that's exactly what I was doing at that young of an age? Nope. Because, like, as I said, as a, as, as a straight male, I think we come to, to come to the game very late in and recognizing it, owning up to it and trying to do something about it. And some of us out there don't even some of us who do recognize it. Some of y'all cats ain't trying to fix it. You revel in it. And I think that that's that's ridiculous. You need to grow out of that. Because even though you think that you're displaying control over somebody else, as I said, it's a domino effect. You may be displaying control over somebody else, but you're also allowing yourself to be controlled. Stop letting some ridiculous ridiculous narrative by an insecure person control you. Do you. But as I was saying before... I don't think I was able to really, you know, recognize and intellectualize what was going on until I became a full-fledged adult.
But I'm definitely happy that as a kid, I was able to have enough self-confidence and belief in myself to start, you know, uh, cultivating um, those seeds that they were so that they would flourish so that I could be comfortable doing my own thing. So that I could be comfortable with the fact that my favorite color is purple and that I wear a floral pr- a print and shirts and pants and that I like to wear dress shoes a lot of times and that I wear bright colors. Something that a lot of men would be uncomfortable with. I take pride in the fact that, you know, not only am I a semi-pro football player and I'm an athlete, um, but I'm also a certified doula and lactation consultant. To me, doing my own thing and living by my own standards is, is being a man's man. And I'll always do that. And if I'm blessed and privileged to have a son of myself, I'm going to damn sure make sure he knows how to do the same. So if there's any men out there listening to this, I encourage you to think about what I've just said. Think about all the things that I've talked about. And call into question your own behaviors and think about, are there some things that you're doing to live up to to this uh, to this stereotype of fall or, or to make sure that this what I will call a scourge or a disease or a virus of toxic masculinity keeps being pervasive and you know, is there, are you continuing to recycle that behavior? And if you are, I hope you can find it in in yourself to break that cycle and change it and do something different. And if you're a woman, the same goes for you. You know, don't let some man who, who, who is letting society, you know, dictate what masculinity is to him. Use what he considers his masculinity to control you and your behavior. Or how you raise your sons, because whether a lot of you, whether whether a lot of you know it or not, women can also um, help recycle. You know, what I'm saying that this 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 harmful characteristic, because there are some women who only look at men who fall who who believe in toxic masculinity or fall into this macho macho man characteristic as being real men, and any man who doesn't fall within that in you know what I'm saying in that framework. They look at him as not being a real man or question his manhood or his sexuality or something like that. So women aren't absolved of passing on and recycling um, this negative behavior either. They do so as well. But as I said, in some way, some way, shape, form or fashion, we're all conditioned to recycle this behavior. Some deal with the brunt of it the most, but it's incumbent upon all of us to break the cycle and to do better. When you know better, you do better, right? So with that being said, I, you know, personally, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, tuning in and listening to this episode. Um, I really want to know people's opinions on it as well. So please, 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 if you listen to it, you know, I would really like some feedback. Uh, Tell me what you think. Um, Shoot me an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought about it. Um, if you agreed, disagreed, um, and let's just have a discussion. But if you believe anything that I've said here today, like I said, one of the main things I want for you, for, for you to take away from it is that you can be a part of changing the cycle. You can be a part of breaking the control that we try to place upon each other through negative means, um, because it is poison. It's a slow poison. 
it will eat you up. And like I said, in your last days, you don't want to look at the mirror and be bitter because you realize you were never true to yourself. You did you didn't live, you know what I'm saying, your best life and that you did it for somebody else. With the worst part about that being that the person that somebody whose standard you tried to live up to, when you look at them and analyze them, they didn't live up to that standard that they had for you themselves. So with that being said, once again, I appreciate everybody chiming in. Um, Remember, I'm on every platform, Um, whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, you can find me there. Um, But with that being said, I'll holler at y'all and I'm out.